From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. You know, sometimes musicians can try and try for success and it remains just out of reach. And then other times when they aren't even thinking about it, suddenly they find themselves in the spotlight. Our artists today have experienced both of those. It's sort of a mystery how that happens. We'll talk about it. They are both multi-instrumentalists, but for tonight's show, they've pared it down to just three of those instruments. We have Lisa Lynn playing Celtic harp and cittern, and R.E.A. Frankfurter on the Swedish nickel harpa. What the heck is that? We'll talk about that, too, in just a minute. R.E.A. played violin from age three. Lisa played bass guitar for years in rock bands, but once they each found the Celtic harp, that led them into a whole other world of music. Between them, they play the Swedish nickel harpa, cittern, mandolin, mandolin, fiddle, guitar, boron, Irish bazooki. They're progressive rock musicians with a love for folk and world music on acoustic instruments. These days, they tour extensively playing fine performing arts centers and venues around the U.S., both as a duo and in collaboration with some of the biggest names in folk and world music. And we're glad to be included on their Western U.S. tour of 30-plus concerts, including workshops for musicians, elementary school programs, and other hospital visits. After this tour, they'll rest up a bit before they head for a tour of Europe with storyteller Patrick Ball. I know you're going to find this to be an evening of magical music. And here is Nightingale, an original piece by Lisa Lynn. Thank you. 
That's Nightingale by Lisa Lynn, performed together. Lisa Lynn on the Celtic harp with R.A.A. Frankfurter, the Swedish nickel harpa. We've been doing a bunch of reading on the two of you. And Lisa, first of all, we're glad to have you in studio. And you two have to know, this is like creating a magic spell the minute you start playing oh, those instruments. Thank you. We're delighted to be here. And we were talking before you said, well, that comes from practice as a street musician. <laughs> That's true. You know, we both have this in common, uh, although we did it uh, independently in our early years. And I think there's something about being able to create some sort of bubble of sound and intimacy in a chaotic environment. I performed on Venice Beach for many years prior to you know, doing Speaking more professional. Speaking of chaos. Yes, exactly. And R.E.A. <laughs> in his time in the Pennsylvania subway station and around San Francisco as well. And so not only does it give you the strength to sort of power through and play delicate music and chaos and be able to draw people in, it also gives you a chance to connect with people, which is what we try to keep going as now that we're playing the larger venues. Well, the two of you have such an interesting story, and I hope you don't mind. We're going to jump in right in the middle. Don't worry. We'll get sure, to all of it. But sure. we've, we were excited to talk to you about uh, this fact that you had music on the Billboard charts throughout your career, and one time you were at 16, 17, and 18, but just couldn't quite crack that top 10, as hard as you worked. But then later, when you were less focused on that, it just happened. Exactly. Yes, yes. Um, I ended up, you know, not caring so much, not being on the hamster wheel as record labels. You know, when you have a big label, the tendency is to compete and to uh, do everything you can to get on those billboard charts. But during my time, they were occupied by Yanni and Enya and Yanni and Enya <laughs> during those years. So the rest of us kind of toiled around on the bottom. And it wasn't until I actually let go and started doing really what was in my heart that the universe conspired to come up from behind me like a wave and go forward. So when I talk to musicians and do some of these workshops, I encourage that to do what's in your heart first and the rest will follow you. Yeah, the words we came up with were honesty, authenticity. Exactly. And you mentioned when I stopped caring. I think that was caring about the exactly. numbers. When I stopped you... caring about what papers said and what numbers measured and just started going back to what was in my heart and doing what my heart told me to do, mm. that's when things really uh, came together. Well, here's something else you did because of your heart. Uh, we were reading the news about Columbine. Mm -hmm. and of course, we remember what happened there, especially that it involved children just made it seem worse to all of us who mm -hmm. watched. But Lots of us watched and were horrified, but someone reached out and made a connection with you that really kind of changed what you did. Will you talk about that? Sure. I was glued to the TV like everybody because at that time, that was the worst thing we'd seen prior to that. Yeah. And as I was, you know, so sad like everyone else, uh, the Harp Center in Los Angeles where I lived at the time called me and said, guess what? One of the Columbine families is using your Love and Peace CD to soothe their daughter and that's all she wanted to hear to help her sleep. So I was blown away, completely blown away. I had the opportunity to go there uh, as well, and I met with the family, and it was just an incredible experience, and it changed the trajectory of my life, and that was really when I started following my heart as we were speaking. Well, it sounds out. like you, you didn't just play the music. It sounded like you even taught them how exactly, to play. Exactly, exactly. Well, I used to enjoy bringing my harp to my grandmother's rest home and, and just playing around with mm -hmm. people, encouraging them to do it. But after I met her family and realized that she was also a musician, I thought, you know, it's one thing to play music for people, but it's something entirely different to put the music in their hands. And the harp being the you know, instrument closest to my heart, 
it is so beginner friendly that I have incredible experiences showing people how to play the harp. And even when I was first beginning, I loved showing people that they too could play the harp. I would play a nice left hand pattern and let them play freely in the right hand and set it so they couldn't hit a wrong note. <laughs> and I loved seeing how enchanted people were from doing that. So it just sort of went on from there and I ended up getting together with other harpists in the company that makes my harps and we presented uh, the high school daughter, the girl who was critically wounded and paralyzed from the waist down, a harp of her own. And she was so moved by that, that so many people cared. And suddenly she had this beautiful instrument to sit up and to play for. Oh, what a great story. Yeah, it really was incredible. It was remarkable and it really did change everything for me. Well, and we'll talk about some of that in sure. a minute. I think we need to hear some more music. Certainly. We'll let you head over and Absolutely. pick up your instrument of choice here. We're going to hear some traditional Swedish music now. And this is a combination of two tunes, like a folk music often is. It'll start with one, and then they blend in the medley. This begins with a piece called The Long Wedding in the Mountains and goes into Bignan. We'll hear the Swedish nickel harpa and the cittern.
That's The Long Wedding in the Mountains, followed by Bignan, Swedish nickel harp, and a citern performed by our guests today, Lisa Lind and Arie Frankfurter. Arie, thank you so much for coming and playing for us today. I understand that you were born into a family of instruments. Uh, your mother was a luthier. My mother is a violin maker, still at it. Um, she is making instruments in Southern California. She actually went to school here in Salt Lake City, uh, worked uh, at the American uh, Oh, yeah, American School of Violin. Peter Prier and Sons there. Mm-hmm. Peter Prier sadly has passed away just in the, the last little while, but the tradition of over 50 years is going on. How cool that she, she was part of that. That's a fun connection. Indeed. So you started playing violin really as a toddler. I was about three and a half years old. I think I was playing violin before I learned how to walk. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. So working with different very prestigious violinists, including the concertmaster of the Chicago Symphony, Harold uh, Ayers. But over the years, I'm just going to read a few of these instruments, the electric violin, the viola, the cello, the guitar, the cittern, mandolin, lap dulcimer, and hammer dulcimer, bowed and plucked psaltery, penny whistle, baroque flute recorder, percussion, Celtic harp, so many. But then, but then... The nickel harper. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. how did you come across this most interesting instrument? Well, as you mentioned, I, I play a lot of different instruments, but I was making my living, like Lisa, as a Celtic Irish harp player in San Francisco for a number of years. And I was playing, as Lisa mentioned, on the streets of San Francisco. Uh, one of the locations was Ghirardelli Square, a very famous yeah. uh, tourist destination. While playing there, um, I was approached by a couple of notable Swedish fiddlers. I didn't know them at the time, and I didn't know much about Swedish music at the time, but they said, we've been watching you for a couple of hours. We really like the way you play. Would you like to go to Sweden and play at a music <laughs> festival? And it took me about three seconds for my decision to be made. And I said, of course, I'd love to go. And uh, I went there. Um, I played some wonderful concerts and wonderful uh, halls and had a great time. And as I mentioned, I had a little bit of uh, acquaintance with Swedish folk music. But it was while I was there that my friends introduced me to this incredible music that I had never heard before. I had seen a instrument very bizarre there called a nickel harpa which i'm sure everybody wants to know how it works and how it's described but uh, going on from there i I picked one up a little later and um, subsequently uh, started playing when i met lisa i started playing it more often and using it and it has taken over my life and pretty much now uh, the harp sits a little bit to the side as i play the nickel harpa for most of my um, professional career so it's a violin Mixed with what? (laughs) Some people call it a musical typewriter. Um, (laughs) The first thing that people should do before uh, I describe it is go and actually see a photograph or a picture of it. Mm -hmm. And you can see one on, of course, a a place called nickelharpa.org. And I will spell the word for you. It is spelled N-Y-C-K-E-L-H-A-R-P-E. A, nickelharpa.org, yeah. and that's the American Nickel Harpa Association's uh, website. The instrument basically looks like a kind of a, a elongated guitar, elongated violin. It has um, a very wide neck, and it has uh, a number of keys that are hanging from the side of the instrument, three rows of keys. Those keys have attached to it these wooden pegs or dowels. So when you actually push one of the uh, keys, it hits a string, 
Just imagine if you're using a finger to hit a string, you shorten a string, it makes a different note. Well, right. likewise, you're just actually using these keys, like these buttons, to do that same work. But the instrument also has something very unusual to it. It has um, 16 total strings. And I only play, one only plays four of those strings. The other 12 are lying underneath, and they vibrate all on their own. They're called sympathetic mm -hmm. strings. And it's something like a sitar has from the, from the uh, East Indian music. And that uh, kind of tones, when they vibrate by the, on their own, actually create these ethereal uh, resonance, which gives the instrument a very haunting ethereal tone to it. So when you first picked it up, I mean, could you even make a noise? How hard was it to, to translate what you already knew? Well, uh, the instrument is played with a bow, and a lot of art in playing any instrument, like a cello or a violin, actually isn't all, it's actually in the bow. So I had that down. That mm. really came. And then there's a certain principles of music that I understood. So I had to definitely retrain my muscles and my left hand to sort of understand <laughs> and operate the keys. Um, it is a little bit weird. Some people ask me if it's a hard instrument. I answer always the same way. Uh, all instruments are very easy to play. None of them are easy to play well. <laughs> you, they're all hard to play uh, if you have to, you know, to learn. Did you get yours in Sweden? Um, this instrument actually came from Sweden. Um, I had it shipped to me. I ordered it from Sweden. Uh, I do travel to Sweden. In fact, Lisa and I are uh, this summer going to, or later this fall, are going to go to Sweden after our Irish tour. Um, but this instrument was shipped from Sweden. So when something breaks, you, you can't say, I better stop in at the nickel harpa store. Um, alas, there are very few people who know how to repair um, the nickel harpa. I did actually have one person in Seattle who's a notable uh, a nickel harpa player who knows how, to, how these works, and he actually did repair my instrument. He showed me how to take it apart, showed me how to put it back together, and since then I've actually done this for not only my own, but several other musicians who live in the Bay Area who have one. Great. The luthier tradition continues. Indeed. Well, one last question before sure. we hear some more music, which you've just recently released a book of Swedish folk tunes for all instruments. 22 Swedish bridging tunes, and what does that mean? <laughs> well, I, um, Lisa and I both teach at a very famous music camp up in Mendocino in California, the Mendocino Headlands, called Lark in the Morning Music Camp. And uh, there I was asked to teach Swedish folk music, and I kind of surmised that the people who would be coming to the workshops wouldn't actually be already knowledgeable of Swedish music, but they are will probably be Irish session players or something mm. like that. And I know that from my experience that Swedish music can at one, at sometimes sound a little bit exotic, a little bit uh, rustic, and maybe not something that people immediately grab. But there are tunes that uh, exist out there that are immediately accessible to musicians that are out on the outside. So these, what I call a bridging tune, is a tune that comes from one culture, but immediately has a, an emotional appeal to people from another culture. So these are those tunes that I know Irish musicians would love to pick up and play themselves. Nice. Well, we're going to hear some more music. We'll let you uh, pick up whichever instrument you choose. <laughs> this book of Swedish folk tunes, you can find out about that online at lionharp.com. Here is an original piece by Lisa Lynn, Celtic harp and Swedish nickel harpa we were just talking about, and it's called Morning Star.
Morning Star, written by Lisa Lynn, Celtic Harp and Swedish Nickel Harpa together. Beautiful, beautiful music. And Lisa started guitar as a very young kid, electric bass as a teen, playing with a heavy metal classic rock top 40 cover bands and one of my favorite things i read lisa was that you taught yourself to play by playing along to old pink floyd records <laughs> and i just have to say lots of people listen to a lot of pink floyd records but not <laughs> but not many of them said i must learn to play the harp <laughs> well i discovered the harp at a renaissance fair which most people do discover it that way i was so enchanted by it and i just sat down and somehow by thinking in guitar chords I could make my way around the har the harp, so I, w I didn't know a teacher. I had no idea about tech, you know, any kind of technical training. So I just made my way, and I just thought the music of Pink Floyd was so beautiful, and I knew the guitar chords because we all can play along with those tunes. And I just started fitting them to the harp. So with my headset on, I played along with Pink Floyd, and we sounded really good. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I think another fascinating stories a story and your life is really full of them, which is getting signed with Wyndham Hill Records. Yes, that was... Because of receipts. Yes, that's right. That was exciting. You know, early on, I thought, well, I should have a record deal. So I sent him my little recorded tape that I recorded in my van, a cassette tape. And of course, it was rejected. Uh, they were at the height of their careers. <laughs> Thank you very much, but no. And I, oh, well. So I made my way uh, street performing and recording my own music and hand coloring cassettes and selling them out of a basket. And that just went so well at Venice Beach and then Universal Studios. And on I went traveling the country and Canada and did some special street performing festivals. And um, I just ended up creating my own little label and doing the independent thing before everyone was doing it just by necessity. So word got out that um, I had sold by then, you know, a couple hundred thousand of these cassettes and it was just turning into CDs at the time that they called me and said, is this true? Would you like to meet us and see about a record deal with Wyndham Hill? And I was like, oh my God, this was several years yeah, after the yeah. original thing. And so I went there all prepared to play my harp, my best tunes and everything. And they said, oh, and bring your manufacturing receipts. So I did. And that actually meant more to them than any kind of beautiful music oh, I could play. I know, cold, it was the introduction music. to the real world for sure. But I didn't care. I was in and then I was on a bus with all those incredible musicians playing beautiful theater. So it really was a dream at that time coming through. But they just they wanted to know that you were viable and yeah. that people were responding in that way to your music. So that was sort of their way of Well, you congratulations. Know. You have sold over a million albums. This is now. true. It sounds like a lot, but it was over 25 years and a lot of them out of a basket. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter where they exactly, came from. Right. A million's a million. <laughs> and now you're writing a book, How to Succeed with Self-Produced Concerts, a guide for performers and presenters. You really know this. That's right. Yes, that's how we do it now. In fact, you know, having been in both, you know, the, the corporate labels sponsored big time stuff and the way that we do it now, I actually have learned from both sides and any musician or any artist for that matter. Today is a new time and the way that record labels and music industry work is no longer. Uh, everyone has the opportunities and the skills to really create a niche for themselves and to make their own success and, and have the whole pie. So better to have a whole small pie than a crumb from a giant 
cake that you know you may never see the crumb from so I have learned this and applied it to the way that we tour now in fact we're touring now a 30 date Western USA pretty much all on our own and we've made it really work also with Patrick we make it really work with Patrick we play some big theaters of course but in the middle we work out with churches and we we do it all ourselves and I even do all the press and we teach venues how to uh, create shows and the purpose of the book is really for new presenters and performers because there's a lot of performers with no place to play there's a lot of beautiful churches sitting empty most of the week they're interested in doing concerts but they don't know how not even artists know what to do to take this their own success in their own hands so it's a book for both to work together nice. who does what when I have a fabulous cartoonist it's like Charlie Brown meets Spinal Tap I, we did want to ask about <laughs> cartoons I understand these are examples of maybe things that could go wrong or exactly. have gone wrong. Typical maybe. things to go wrong. The, the four kinds of personalities you might meet with presenters and how to <laughs> respond to each one. And of course, musicians, there's a lot of material there of musicians who, you know, are either lazy or misguided or full of themselves. And then, of course, there's Debbie Do-Right, and she does everything right. <laughs> this must be the character based on you, I'm sure. <laughs> she does kind of look like me, and she plays the harp. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? Well, let's hear some more uh, some sure. more beautiful music. Sure. We're going to hear a traditional Swedish song. This is called Biskala, and the instruments for this will hear the Swedish nickel harpa again instead of the Celtic harp accompanied by the Sittern. Lisa Lynn and Arie Frankfurt Frankfurter.
traditional Swedish music. That is called Biskala, the Swedish nickel harpa, and the Sittern. REA Frankfurter has performed private concerts for people like Prince Charles, as well as some of the world's top international music festivals. I, I'm tempted to ask if people use, raise their pinkies when they sip their tea, but I don't know what happens at a concert like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, at house concerts, these are, are you talking about, are you asking me? Whether, uh -huh. These are uh, one of our favorite opportunities. Really what happens is that uh, people open their homes, they make space. Um, usually uh, they invite their friends or family, and we provide uh, an actual concert, a full-on full, full -on concert in an intimate space. It's kind of like people sitting in your living room. And uh, this is one of our favorite ways to actually perform. It's kind of an, almost like uh, an intimate family gathering. And yeah. you meet new people, and it's just a wonderful occasion. So we uh, always are encouraging people to consider opening their homes for musicians. And to be that close to the instruments, to really see them be played. and not... It's actually, we feel like, the way they originally intended to be heard. Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, you have over 17 albums to your credit. You work on film and television scores as a composer, arranger, and you still teach yourself to play various instruments. I'm still working on it, but I'm kind of at the nickel harpa sort of where I'm, <laughs> I'm staying put for a while. So we have to make this really fun connection, which was you actually had heard of Lisa Lynn back when you were in high school. Tell, tell us this story. <laughs> Well, um, when I was in high school, uh, I was also just getting introduced to the harp, at, just like Lisa at the Renaissance Fair. In fact, we may have passed each other unbeknownst to each other at the very same fair. Um, Lisa was playing heavy metal in a uh, bass player in a heavy metal band, and I was playing rock and roll, electric violin in some bands. And I had heard of this, uh, this woman who was taking her harp out uh, after performing heavy metal and taking harp out and really just creating this incredible space. It was actually a newspaper item. And I remember reading this I, this article way back when I was in my, my teens. And uh, who knew that uh, sometime later, not only would uh, I be playing with that very same person, uh, but we would be married. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. So you... You were just driving in a vehicle together and realized, wait a minute, that's you. You're the one that I read about. Uh, well, you know, I actually had heard of Lisa beforehand. Um, huh. Lisa was um, uh, being uh, assigned to the Wyndham Hill label and uh, being uh, a musician who's creating beautiful music. I had, had heard her music before. Mm. Lisa did write to me a letter uh, at a point, she had apparently picked up one of my albums and expressed admiration for what I was doing, and I had admiration for hers. Uh, we were both invited to a uh, conference in Montana. I decided to give her a call and say, hey, we both live in California. Why don't we head on over together? And uh, so she said yes, and we jumped in the car, and we had a great old time and learned a lot about each other and uh, learned that we could make beautiful music together. You do learn a lot about people <laughs> when you're touring together. You sure do. And one of the things you learn uh, quickly is if you peer into their uh, favorite playlists of music. Uh, <laughs> uh, back then there were iPods, and we were listening I Took, took a glance and I noticed that we both had a very uh, strong love for um, what people may call uh, 70s AM pop music, <laughs> like the Carpenters and well, such. Yeah, which shows up so much in what you play these days. <laughs> <laughs> it actually does. <laughs> 
Well, and now you're saving so much on hotel rooms just uh, by being married. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great perk. Let me ask this, though, about the people always ask, how can you perform together? My, I've heard some people say, my wife and I could never do this. My husband and I could never do this. But then other people say, this, this is the most natural thing in the world. Uh, you know, um, just as a, a side comment, I was married pr before, uh, uh, so this is my second marriage, and um, one thing I can say is that a performer's life is sort of opposite of everybody else's. When they're mm. on, we're off. So when people's work week, that's the time that we're actually doing our own thing at home, and it's during the weekends that we actually go out and perform. Exactly. So uh, in certain respects, not having the same schedule can be a, a huge uh, issue in, in um, yeah. uh, as a performer, but the other thing too is just is that Lisa and I um, actually were f fast friends long before we got romantically involved, and we were making music and actually had made an entire album together and performed as concert. So we already knew there was a lot of chemistry before the romantic aspect came about. Okay, well this next song is not called Chemistry, but it certainly will display some of that. The Celtic harp and the Swedish nickel harpa. This is an original by Lisa Lynn and it's called Circle of Joy. Circle of Joy, original music by Lisa Lynn, who's performing with R.E.A. Frankfurter. Hands on Harps is a hospital and school music program that Lisa Lynn has started. Her work in therapeutic music, Hands on Harp, has been on NBC, CNN, Fox News Atlanta, lots of newspaper articles, magazine articles, including the Wall Street Journal. And I know you've taught 
harp and played in hospital lobbies, at bedsides, nursing conventions, even. Sometimes you take 17 harps all at once. How do you do that? I can fit them all in my van. <laughs> and my greatest joy is sharing them. And that actually all came from the experience with Columbine when I really realized that it's putting music in people's hands that is so powerful, profoundly uplifting for them, particularly those who are going through some life-altering experiences or those at a tender young age when they're so impressionist to give them uh, the feeling of um, empowerment, be able to play music and the harp. People think the harp is the hardest instrument in the world, but I think it's the easiest because it's the instrument that will soon give you pleasure and soon give you sound. A child can sit and strum the strings and make a pleasing tone. And most instruments are not like that at the mm. beginner's touch. So that's my favorite thing I do. I have a nice balance between touring and concerts and sharing the harps. So I bring the harps to various hospitals, particularly cancer hospitals or uh, any kind of long-term uh, establishments and I do a little show with a couple of tunes and then I invite everyone to come forward and everyone gets a harp and I have all different sizes harps they're all Celtic harps or Irish harps or folk harps those would all be correct terms some sit on the lap some are heavier some sit on the floor so I sort of by the time it's time to pass out the harps I can tell who should have what harp based on their ability and strength mm. level and I tell you there is nothing better than seeing how they light up when uh, with just a little guidance red strings blue strings Strings, twinkle, twinkle, little star, a, a medieval <laughs> drone with improvisations. I mean, people are just completely blown away at their own ability. Not only that, you've got this piece of wood vibrating against your chest and your belly and your heart. And that, I know, is very, very good for them. You did say this instrument was the closest to your heart. That's true. So. Yeah, it lays right <laughs> on there. And so not only do we do these workshops with the harps and I carry the harps around, I, I run a couple of programs in hospitals where harpists, uh, besides myself, in addition to myself, play in the uh, intensive care areas and the waiting areas. The nurses you know, my favorite thing I've, that we found on your website mm -hmm. is this picture of a festival. I guess you go to uh, or a workshop every year and there is a deaf woman who comes mm -hmm. every year. Yes. And, you, and you have a picture. I printed it oh, out here yes. of her That's coming sweet. up and Tell me how she listens. She listens by the vibration. And she uh, indicated to me that she wanted to touch the harp. And um, she comes every year. It's the Apple Festival in Northern North Carolina Apple Festival. And uh, she comes every year. And her favorite thing is just to put her hands on the harp and feel the vibration. It's beautiful because you're yeah. playing. And she's just kneeling there kind of by your feet uh -huh. with her hand on. Yeah. Is that the soundboard? Oh, is that what yes. you call That's that? That's the soundboard. Yeah, the whole column, the whole part here is, is where the sound resonates from. So I yeah, mean, she's getting the, the most vibration down there. All of this music is magical, but what a thing to do what you do. Oh, it's an honor. It's, it's a whole extra honor. thing beyond just mm -hmm. the, the performance. It is. It is. Well, we cannot thank you enough. Lisa Lynn, Celtic Harp and Citern, and performing on the Swedish Nickel Harpa, REA Frankfurter. As a duo, they regularly tour the U.S. This year, they have a European tour, too. More information about their many, many recordings and upcoming concerts and book projects and workshops is online at lisalynn.com. That's L-A-S-A-L-Y-N-N-E. And at lionharp.com. Lisa and Arie, thank you, thank you You're for coming in today. Welcome. Beautifully done. Happy to do it. If you're listening at home or if you just caught part of the show, you want to hear the first part, hear it again or share it, that's easy to do. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89. 
Also follow us on Twitter at BYUH89 for live show updates and special behind the scenes photos and video clips and even see what a nickel harpa might be. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our film assistant is Abby Horlocker. And the show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening. Thank you.